0: Welcome to the FDN Thrive Podcast. We interview leaders in the functional health space who bring you the most up-to-date, cutting-edge information for people who have tried it all for their
1: health issues. We hope you enjoy the show very quickly went downhill. And then by like 14 to 15, I started pulling back from a lot of the sports that I was playing. And by 16, I was pretty much bedridden most of the time. I was homebound from school for the last two years of high school and uh, finished that out from my home and whatnot. And then uh, decided that I I really needed to take matters into my own hands and, and figure it out myself. And that led me to all of the studying that I did.
0: Well, hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Health Detective Podcast by FDN Thrive. My name is Evan Transu, aka Detective Ev, and I will be your host for today's show. And boy, oh boy, do we have a show for you all. This guy is the real deal. He's not messing around, and he has a heck of a story and a lot of great things to say. His name's Todd Erb, and Todd is someone that I've been kind of fanboying since the beginning of the time I was in FDN. I was always very impressed by his knowledge. I see him post very actively in the groups that we're in. And I was just like, wow, like this guy seems like such a young dude. I mean, maybe he just looks really young and he's actually a lot older. Well, no, he's 27. And I want you to keep that in mind as you're listening to this podcast, because after listening, the word that I would really use to describe this person, if I could only use one, would be brilliant. You can study all you want. You can be as hard of a worker as you want. Some people are gifted. You can't hide it. And I don't even know if this guy realizes how smart he is. He's very humble too. So it was a pleasure talking to him. And here's a little bit of his background, mostly on the credential side, because just to even begin to get into what he's been through would take forever I'll give you the short of this. By 14 or 15 years old, this guy is almost completely bedridden, and he continues his high school career like that. He's got all this stuff going on and somehow turns this around and does self-studying in his early 20s and late teens to figure out his own health issues so that he is no longer bedridden. Now, this is with no training in a formal sense, no college degrees that are relevant to this, no medical degrees, literally went out and figured this stuff out on his own with his own research. And again, the 27 thing and the thing I just said, yeah, that will really sink in the more and more you listen to this guy. So here are some of his credentials and what he's doing nowadays. He is a certified functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner with specializations in continued education in HPA axis function and hormone metabolite assessment and correction, microbiome analysis and correction, methylation and clinical nutrigenomics, organic acids, and a systemic detox. Building on that foundation of biochemistry, Todd also incorporates various energetic modalities to balance out his work. As the former in-house Ness Health bioenergetic practitioner and trainer, he had the privilege of training and learning from hundreds of practitioners of every modality. He blends this experience of modern energy medicine with its ancient roots of hermetic alchemy, qigong, Taoism, Eastern and Western shamanism, Ayurveda, and traditional Chinese medicine. So really what I'm trying to say is it, it was kind of a boring interview. It wasn't really particularly fun. You know, I don't. Uh, like talking to dull people but every now and then we got to post one of those podcasts right (laughs) i hope the sarcasm is obvious i don't have anything more to say and you know that's rare we just need to jump into this one i hope that you guys enjoy and before someone comments on it yes we will be having him back on in the future without further ado let's get to the episode all right there todd thank you so much for being here with us today thank you very much it's a pleasure now there is some enthusiasm in my voice, as the kids could probably hear or certainly see it on my face if you're watching the video, and I, I don't think Todd realized this. We were talking a little bit beforehand. I've definitely been a secret fanboy from afar uh, over the last several years. Todd is someone in the FDN community that just you know comes in and kind of drops his knowledge into the space. And you're just like, wow, this dude studies. Like, This guy knows his stuff. He did not stop just with one certification. Not that the FDN certification isn't fantastic in and of itself, but there's some people that keep pushing the envelope and um, he's one of them. So I'm excited to talk to you today. I feel like I got a lot to learn, but we start off this podcast with really the same question. And I actually, it's odd because I know so little about you in a way that I'm not even sure if this applies to you directly or someone else, but my first simple question, and then we'll jump into the real one is, did you deal with your own chronic health issues or did you join this space for someone else or just from sheer interest?
1: No. Yeah. I, I got into it like many others, uh, okay. personal need for sure. Um, just checking. So
0: yeah, let's start with that. What the heck was Todd dealing with? When did those symptoms start and what did they look like?
1: Yeah, I mean, I was a a pretty healthy kid, you know, played uh, all sorts of sports, uh, four travel basketball leagues at the same time at one point, uh, you know, really stressing myself out, black belt martial arts, all sorts of uh, different physical things. Uh, And then I I had what I now know many, many years later uh, was two triggering events that happened about two years apart. One was microbial based. Um, There was a meningitis scare at our school, and me being a young kid, I didn't really pay attention when they told us to stay away from the water fountains. Uh, My little bottle that I brought was empty, and by the end of the day, I was thirsty, and I decided to have myself a drink. So I most likely contracted something during that. Didn't necessarily get the right diagnosis at that time. Very, very young, we didn't really have good sequencing technology like we have today. Um, And then... About two years later, I ended up getting a elbow to the base of the skull uh, in basketball. I was jumping up for a rebound and came down on somebody's elbow and uh, really had a migraine for about two weeks. But because uh, migraines ran in my family, they were something that I was used to. I kind of chalked it up to that little bit of an injury. and never thought anything of it. Um, And many, many years later, um, I ended up finding out that there was a little bone called the sphenoid, uh, pinching my brainstem, keeping me stuck in fight or flight. And so that started at that moment. And then I slowly progressed into what they would call fibromyalgia or chronic fatigue or those buzzwords for, we don't really know what's wrong with you. So (laughs) you have a lot of pain and you're tired. So we call it fibromyalgia kind of thing. So (laughs) Okay. That's uh, definitely a
0: different start than most people. That's for sure. And I think this is going to be Somehow, even more interesting than I originally suspected, because the fact that, like, an injury led obviously to a lot of this stuff and was a huge contributing factor, as you said, I mean, you're comparing it with possibly contracting something microbially, like, that's okay. That's not normally something people would equate. And I think that's going to give a unique perspective today for sure. I also, just to clarify for people out there, because the chronic fatigue syndrome, I think, is more commonly known as a more idiopathic thing. When you say, you know, they just call it fibromyalgia because. You know you're tired and you have pain. Could you maybe elaborate a little bit on why you might not always resonate with a diagnosis like that? Because I think that opinion is valid, but I just want the audience to be clear.
1: Uh, that is a, a fantastic question, um, and it's because that that diagnosis was um, it di- it did a lot more bad in my life than it it ever did good. Um, When you tell somebody that they have something that we don't know what causes it, then there's no cure for it, especially at age 12. I mean, they don't really have the the know or wherewithal or, or knowledge to be able to handle something like that. And you instantly go into victim mode it's it's the world is attacking me woe is me i have fibromyalgia and and literally there was a a time period where the words todd herb and chronic pain patient Mm -hmm. were never separated (laughs) those words would never come out of my mouth without being together and it it became my identity in such a true way that you know i'm getting goosebumps even talking about it it really like it, it really, I think it does more harm than good for so many people out there to get these these diagnoses because they don't really tell you anything functionally about why you're dealing with what you're dealing with. And and well, they don't even provide you with a roadmap of, of how to get better, better many times. Now, there are plenty of, of cases where a diagnosis is the be all end all and, and you figured it out and, and there is a pathway forward off of that diagnosis. But in the Terms of you know chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia and, and some other ones like that. Uh, I don't really think that's the case.
0: So. Well said. I think that's a and that's an objective view for people out there because yeah, we're not dismissing all diagnoses. That's that's crazy, but I think that's a, a really healthy balance and one that's not. Again, maybe with like the chronic fatigue and IBS, it happens a lot now. Even in mainstream, they kind of understand like the average person. I mean by they they understand that this wasn't a real diagnosis, but no, fibromyalgia, I think many people would still look at that as like, okay, no, this is a real autoimmune disease or whatever. So I think that's useful to explain that. And I completely misinterpreted this timeline when you first said that. So the injury with the basketball thing was at 12 years old, you said, right?
1: Yeah, it was very young. I I continued to play and and was active for another two years, but it, it very quickly went downhill. And then um, by like 14 to 15, I started pulling back from a lot of the sports that I was playing. And uh, by 16, I was uh, pretty much bedridden most of the time. Um, I was homebound from school for the last two years of high school and uh, finished that out from my home and whatnot, and then uh, decided that I I really needed to take matters into my own hands and, and figure it out myself. And that led me to all of the studying that I did.
0: Sure. Okay. This is this is pretty extreme. So I mean, did you graduate school or like were you just being homeschooled? Sure. Like
1: okay. Yeah, yeah, I graduated high school. I had a, an amazing guidance counselor that, that uh did so many things and uh was part of the team that taught me from home uh with a couple other teachers over those two years. Uh, and he, he was amazing and helped me through that time. And, and they did, they cut me some breaks, you know, I wouldn't have to do, you know, 50 of the same problem over and over again, if I showed proficiency in my understanding of that math problem or something like that, you know, right. uh, but they made sure that I, I had that understanding, uh, and, and went through it. But yeah.
0: That's amazing. All right. I'm glad that there's some blessing here and that you have a great guidance counselor that's actually helping along. Cause that's. I can't really imagine what that experience is like. I mean, I had a lot of chronic health stuff as a kid for sure, but to be feeling like I need to be in bed all day because of, I mean, pain is, yeah, that's hard to comprehend. And not that I want to make you relive this or anything, but I think just one more question with that, if we're, if it's okay, when we're talking about the pain, just so the audience is clear and myself, is this full body or is one spot hurting so bad that it prevents you from getting out of your bed? Like, what what is it that's really doing that? Is it just all over? I, I guess I'm confused by that a little bit because I know fibromyalgia would typically be associated with something that's kind of all over, I believe.
1: Yeah, definitely. And it, it progressed into that. It didn't start with that. I got like my, my first back spasm playing soccer, trying to grab a ball okay. before it went flying into the woods and went up too fast. And the whole right side of my back locked up and, and whatnot. I'm walking around looking like I was pregnant for a week, you know, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, that kind of thing. Um, and, and then it definitely progressed into, you know, pain just moving, you know, there'd be spots that would just randomly move around my body. And then yeah, it, uh, with that sphenoid being out and, and kind of being locked in that fight or flight state that just kind of tenses up all the muscles, gets that kind of classic lactic acid dump yeah. uh, that, that fibromyalgia people and, and widespread chronic pain people experience. Uh, and, and yeah, so that's a full body. I mean, at there was points where I was having full body muscle spasms looking like I was having seizures. And I was like, in, wow. in my bedroom basement, you know, uh, little did I know I was next to the electrical panel of the house and a whole bunch of other stressors down there. And, mm-hmm. and my nervous system was so under stress that, yeah, I would look like I was having seizures, but it was just my nervous system. Like, uh, that, that toxified and that stressed out.
0: Okay. Now you talked about you get into this or get to this point where you're realizing, you know, you need to do some research for yourself. Uh, two part question here. What was Western medicine or conventional medicine, whatever, telling you up to that point? And h- how do you even get to the point though when you consider doing things for yourself? Because, and that second part is important because there's so many people, Todd, that you know, they'll deal with this stuff for decades and never get to that. So again, what's conventional medicine saying? And then what is this final straw? If there's a notable one that leads you to saying, no, Todd's going
1: to go figure this out. I'm not going to wait around for it anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. Conventional medicine had, uh, every muscle relaxer, you know, every, uh, non, uh, opiate style painkiller possible prior to 18 years old. Uh, none of that worked over, uh, any of those years, of course, then you get into the antidepressants, very common in fibromyalgia, things like Cymbalta, uh, also Lyrica, uh, something that I find out later on stops your brain from forming new neurons by blocking oh, BDNF. I was on very high doses of that for years and literally could rewatch whole um, episodes that I've watched in the past like they're brand new to me, but it feels like I'm talking to my friend because I have seen it in the past. But because I was on those drugs at that moment, I did never solidified any of those neurons. So it's familiar to me, but definitely new. And I don't know what's coming next. Um, So there's a lot of those types of drugs. And then when I turned 18, since nothing was really working, they decided to give me some pain medicine. Uh, and I was grateful for that. Um, believe me at, at that point in my life, if I didn't have that, I, I probably would have done something to myself that I would have regretted. Okay. Um, so getting that, that relief was good. But at the same time, um, uh, they gave me an offer. Do you want a patch or a pill? Um, because I was so sick of taking all of these pills. I was like, Hey, I can take this patch and put it on every three days. And I won't even have to remember about it. Cause I can't even remember to do anything at this point. So yeah. Um, I I took the patch and and didn't know as an 18-year-old that that fentanyl was uh, fentanyl, and and it was that uh, potent of a drug, and I became extremely, extremely physically addicted to it. I didn't like what it did to me mentally, um, but my body definitely became dependent on it quite quickly. Um, and within about eight months, I realized that this was definitely not for me because I was still in pain everywhere. And then I was just doped up and loopy and uh, and, and dependent on this thing that I could feel was really toxifying my body. Um, so I it probably would not recommend this for for anyone uh, in, in this similar circumstance, but I decided to just stop at cold turkey. Um, and oh my gosh. I, I went through about three months of, of hell, um, and came out of the other end of it, you know, deciding that I was going to figure out how I was going to get out of it one way or another, no matter what, because that was my, that was my rock bottom, I was like, um, there's nobody else is going to figure this out. <laughs> That's for sure. Except for me, I may be in tandem with some amazing smart people. And over the years, definitely I've come across those, uh, and I'm very thankful for it, but, uh, I think everybody has that responsibility. It's really going to be you that gets yourself better. Um, no matter what you can have a doctor that helps you, you can have a practitioner that helps you, you can have a massage therapist, uh, uh a friend, it, it doesn't really matter there's always going to be somebody that's helping you, but yeah. in all reality, it's, it's you that has to make the decision to, to get better. And and that's what really caused me to make that decision.
0: It's so true. I feel like we ha- yeah, we have to be the one that's the captain of the ship, but I, I look back and I just see so many amazing people have come in through the path for myself. And it, it sounds like that's the same for you. And, and really anyone that's gotten over these major hurdles um, and yours, I mean, it's tremendous. It, it's, You can't do it without other people, but you also can't do it without yourself. (laughs) It's like you you need both for sure. Now, Todd, I got to ask because I think there's got to be someone else out here wondering this. You're throwing me off because I feel like with your experiences and accomplishments in life, like there's a part of me that thinks you look a lot younger than you actually are. But then this other side is like you had this profound moment at 18. So I'm also thinking, and I honestly believe this anyway, this guy's just brilliant and has done this at an incredibly young age. So may I ask how old you are now? I'm 27, so... Wow. Okay. All right. So it was the second option. All right. <laughs> Give me a run for my money here, man. I thought I was the young guy, 25 at FDN, but Todd Herbs. <laughs> all right. You and um Brendan Vermeyer, man, very, very impressive guys. I mean, for the age, I, I like, I seriously, especially now knowing that mm-hmm. I look up to both of you. That's for sure. Um, and I mean that. When you are doing this research for yourself, where the heck do you even begin
1: I mean, I don't care how smart someone is, you know, like, where do you start after that to figure this out? Um, you won't start where you need to. That's that's for sure. <laughs> um, and, and I guess um, what matters is to just keep going because I definitely did not start where I needed to. I mean, when I was 14 and I just had this stuff start coming before I really got bedridden, I mean, I started going online hey, look up some health people. Hey, you know, I'm a, I'm a young kid. Well, who, where, how am I going to look things up? I'm going to go to YouTube and I'm going to find some, you know, healthy people that are eating 99 bananas a day, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and and try and mimic some of those things for a couple of years. And, and of course, went raw vegan, did the juicing thing and uh, uh, touched upon pretty much every fat diet out there. Um Uh, One thing that really helped me was a company called Mona V. It was a, a multi level marketing company, but they were the first ones that bottled the acai berry. (laughs) <laughs> um so I, I started to try and sell that. I didn't really sell most of it because I drank all of it myself. Um and I would just drink bottles and bottles of this stuff and flood myself with antioxidants and whatnot and it, and it helped to some degree but of mm-hmm. course we know now that you know free radicals are important signaling mo- molecules as well. So there's there's balance in everything in life. Yeah. So uh yeah I mean it it definitely took me a while to find you know FDN and and I really went through most you know um advanced nutrition courses, and I couldn't really find anything that really interests me for a while. Like I, I was looking for something like, like FDN for, for quite some time. And it, it, it took a while for me to stumble upon it, so to speak. Um, and, and then once I did, you know, I, I dived right into that. And and that kind of led me on to the world of uh, functional nutrition and being able to, you know, assess the function of my body at a very, very deep level that I realized was not happening in the past with any other practitioners. Um, And that's, that's really where I just went down the rabbit hole of. And and that was really when, you know, functional medicine just started to to break out into the mainstream and become popular. So I kind of just rode that wave with everybody else as much as I could and, and kept my finger on the pulse, really, you know, it's, yeah. it's hard to even say, you know, I, even when I go to, you know, try and help out another practitioner, you know, with like microbial research, sometimes I'm like, where do I even start? There's like 50 different websites I could send you to <laughs> that we could look at and whatnot. So there's, there's many options. I, obviously this isn't even something I talk about very
0: often, so you wouldn't know this, but I think that's so strange that a multi-level marketing company product was one of the things that helped you. That's the thing that convinced me that I was onto something. It was a mangosteen product, a very high antioxidant, very powerful multivitamin. And I was, I wanted to be around the community. I wasn't even into health yet. I was mm-hmm. trying to figure out my life because I had messed a lot of things up. I got in trouble. So I wanted to be in the environment that was positive and I'm drinking this stuff. And I'm like, my depression's getting better. And I was like, is it just because of these Mm -hmm. people? And then I realized over time it had nothing to do with the people because once I stopped taking the product, it came right back. And I'm like, what is this? So that's really interesting. Um, It sounds like you're not in that anymore. I'm certainly not in it anymore. But listen, guys, this is at least two brownie points to the MLMs out there. Clearly, they do something (laughs) because they helped us out. That's for sure. When you finally get to FDN, and I know you've done a variety of things, and I know FDN is very respectful to all types of uh, modalities and different perspectives. So feel free to answer this in any way that you find uh, is most truthful for you. Was FDN a major part of your healing? Was it, you know, all of your healing? Like wh- what role did that play once you finally got it? And also what age did you find FDN?
1: Um, be 23, three. say. All right. Four years ago. Um, maybe 22. I don't remember exactly. Um, no, it'd be four years since I graduated, I believe. So it'd be prior to that. So it took some time then. Yeah, it definitely took some time. Yeah, it wasn't until after I was almost, you know, nineteen when I had that kind of triggering event. And then it took me a couple of years to kind of figure out how I was going to to move forward from that rock bottom. Yeah. Uh, so to speak. So, um, FDN, I would say major, major role. I mean, awesome. I, I credit that with, you know, the, the foundation that allows me to apply everything else that I've learned since then in an optimal way, in a functional way, um, and, and, and a systematic way. So I find that, you know, that's my foundation mm-hmm. 100%. Um, and I would say that there's, a an energetic component to a lot of things. So I, I did find that I was uh, implementing some of the best of the best functional medicine protocols. You know, I had like internal papers from, you know, some of my my uh, people that I fanboyed from uh, and, okay. and was using like some of the top protocols out there. And I was still seeing that there was these, these struggles, and I realized that, you know, from a physics perspective, when we're only paying attention to the physical, you're only paying attention to the particle and and not the wave. So I did end up blending a lot of energy medicine into um, what I do and, and how I've uh, continued my education, and I really blend a lot of bioenergetics with uh, FDN. And I find that they're a beautiful complement. I find that when I remove an energetic blockage from somebody, um, through whatever means of, of energy medicine, that I don't need as much supplementation. I don't need, you know, uh, all of the coffee enemas and, uh, all of these things, you know, you could be having, you know, an issue with your heart, you know, your heart's your emotional center. If you have a, an, an issue with your sister who you love and you guys are in a big fight, you know, you could be having some, some chest issues, but that could be a very, very emotional and energetic thing that can be cleared. Maybe you guys deal with that, or maybe you do some sort of, you know, energetic cleansing to deal with that type of energy. And you'd find that you maybe don't need, you know, high blood pressure medicine anymore because you've dealt with that that energetic thing that's keeping you stressed out so um i look at that as kind of a software hardware thing and kind of blend them together in the best way that i can okay we are definitely going to spend time diving into
0: that i feel like even before you and i were talking and just from seeing you over the years I noticed there was something with that. I never fully understood it, but I noticed there was something there. So that might be a great route to take. And I'd love to dive more into that. Before that, one other thing. And that's just simply, do you remember at the time, you know, you're going through, oh, and by the way, sorry, I guess I have two things.
1: Aren't you an engineer as well? (laughs) <laughs> Maybe, uh, no, no. So, uh, I do, uh, I worked for my father's, uh, metal shop basically where if you draw it, we can build it. <laughs> okay. Um, it doesn't really matter what it is. Um, so I, I've tinkered around with all sorts of things and building things and making sure that they're structurally sound. But, um, that whole idea of, uh, ontological engineer, mm-hmm. um, it really came about from, uh, me learning about that term. And I was really fascinated by it because, you know, when you're dealing with fibromyalgia or chronic pain, like, what is your main problem? Your main problem is your state of being is uncomfortable. So that's your ontology. My ontology 24 uh, 7 was just mayhem. I did not like it. There was just, and I needed to find a way that I could engineer my very own state of being. Okay, so, um, that's where that kind of concept is. And I see that's what I'm doing with Functional Medicine and uh, the energy work is giving somebody all the tools that they need to engineer the state of being that they want, whether that's on a physical or spiritual or emotional level.
0: Okay, this is hilarious because I didn't know what that... First, I, I just honestly, I never I looked it up. I didn't know what that first term meant. So mm-hmm. I know that there's so many branches of engineering. I figured out oh, just, I don't know what this is. So I'm sitting here thinking that you're 27. You have a full degree in engineering while you were like bedridden in pain I read and it. And somehow <laughs> figured all this other stuff. Like, oh, like what's this guy, Einstein? Mm-hmm. Like, holy no. crap. Like, all right. Still very impressive, but at least human at the same time. I was like, wow. All right. Sure. So go back to that, uh, the real other question do you remember anything maybe that really stuck out when you first went through FDN? Cause you said it was useful to you. Was there something that you found on, I think if you were graduating four years ago, we were probably going through at the same time. I was uh 2017 myself. And so I, I know we only did two labs at the time really. And we did the biohealth, what the, old, uh, 101 and 205. And then the others were optional. I mean, did you find anything significant on there or was there something you learned in the course that was a major point for you that kind of sticks out or no?
1: Yeah, I mean, I had an, an inverted cortisol to DHEA ratio, you know, young and vital, but completely tanked out um, from a, an ability to deal with stress perspective. Um, so that was a huge thing for me. I mean, getting on some like root extract was mm-hmm. uh, amazing when I first started. Um, and. I really branched off. I I used some other labs um, with an an FDN mindset. And as soon as I graduated, um, I ended up uh, sequencing my microbiome and interpreting that from an FDN perspective Hmm. and uh, really found out that I had a complete pathogenic takeover in my gut. And I had used prior gut tests in the past um, that, that didn't really show that. And then I got in a you know, bird's eye view of pretty much all the way back to that event when I was a child at that elementary school um, and that meningitis scare. So there was a lot of, you know, fuchsia bacteria and other bacteria that were commonly uh, the source of meningitis. Um, and they actually, you know, the PhD that I, I reviewed that test with, um, pretty much said that they, they believe that that infected my vagus nerve and was um, part of the reasons that, um, and I basically lived with like chronic meningitis from that, that point onward. And then the combination of that with the, the head injury is really what caused it to spiral down so quickly. So being able to get a gut analysis that then I was able to interpret all the way back to my childhood and And actually everything else that was going on. I mean, I had, you know, oral microbes that had infected my gut. You know, there's, there was all sorts of things that I found out there. I had a basically a complete pathogenic takeover, um, uh, of my gut. And, uh, up until then, you know, you went to every, uh, GI doctor and, uh, colonoscopy and so on and so forth. And, and everything comes back perfectly clear, but that yeah. was, that was far, far from the case once I did an actual functional analysis.
0: Um, okay. Um, and I, you said twice thinking from an FDN perspective. And I think that's such a useful thing for the audience because the, it's, simple to say, but it's like a hard thing to actually truly describe to pers- people that are maybe new to it or don't get it. FDN is not lab tests. It's not even the dress protocol. It is a way of thinking. And Reed has always said this, you could take away all the labs. You can still go do FDN because you can't take away the way of thinking. Um, that is something that can be applied elsewhere. And it is how some practitioners are able to go out and branch out as you have. Now, this is a part I'm excited for. You know, It's not something that uh, we focus on at the time of recording this in FDN really at all, but I think this is going to be useful to the audience. And certainly you are the first podcast on here to ever really talk about this at all. I believe the general term that we can use here is bioenergetics. I think you used that. Let's uh, let's define that. What, what the heck does bioenergetics even mean if I've never heard that term before?
1: Yeah. So that's the, the study of how uh, energy and information relates to biology um so the the energetics of biology so to speak um okay. and and that could relate to um a lot of different things that could relate to your relationship with the sun which is an energetic source it could be your relationship with another human being who is giving off electromagnetic frequencies uh and you're picking up those um, vibes, so to speak, mm-hmm. uh, when you walk into a room and you just feel, all right, this really isn't a place for me. You know, that's a that's a an energetic communication that is happening, uh, and and yeah, bioenergetics is is the study of how all of the that energy and the information that rides the literal ones and zeros, um, mm-hmm. if we would think of it from a technology perspective, that information that drives uh, a lot of that energy uh, and. With bioenergetics, we understand that there is information that is driving that energy. And it's basically from an Einstein perspective, he would say that the uh, field or the frequency is the sole governing source or force upon the particle. So if you are a person made up of particles, and each one of those particles has a wave or a field or a frequency to them then that field is the sole governing force of those particles and if you were to combine all of those you would call that something like the human body field or the bio field there's been many terms for it Uh, some people have called it aura in the past um, those types of things and that is literally the sole governing force of your body from a physics perspective Um, so we look at how we can manage that and clear uh, energetic blockages with bioenergetics
0: very cool. This is something that I I know our audience is going to be more open to. Now, listen, I'm not as well-versed in this, but I also know there's a lot more science behind this than... It. People think that there's no science behind something like that, and it's woo-woo, but the reality is people just don't understand the science because it's highly complicated. And I'm not saying that, again, I have a full understanding of it. I haven't put the time in like you to really grasp it but I can still know it exists to know that there's a lot more to this than the mainstream would believe. Now, I think our community naturally that listens to this is going to lean more towards, even if you really couldn't back it up, they probably just be like, oh yeah, everything's energy. Like I'll listen to this guy regardless. But you you sound to me like someone who is not going to go without the science of this. So I, I guess we have to try to keep this as simple as we can because I think this is a little advanced even for this podcast, but let's say I'm skeptical of this and I'm hearing this and like, all right, it sounds good, but I'm like, what? Like my body's energy and like auras. And now like you're mixing auras with the sun, like that I could see. And I'm sure you could too, to some people, that's going to be a turnoff. That's like tinfoil hat stuff. Like what is he talking about? So is there, um, I'm not asking you to like reference a specific study right now that we have to put in the show notes, but is there a a science-based way to describe this to someone um, in a more practical sense? And if not, no worries. But I mean,
1: I feel like you can do that. So I'm asking. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say that, um, yes, there's, there's, But it it would take a a lot of time and a lot of different (laughs) studies to to pull together um, all all of that research into that understanding. Um, There is a a wonderful book called Decoding the Human Body Field uh, that Peter Frazier put together. He was a a leading researcher in the field of bioenergetics and was uh, the creator um, or co-founder with Harry Massey of the Ness Health bioenergetics system uh, that I use inside of my practice. So that book really goes step by step into um, all of the research that went into homeopathics back in the day, all the research that goes into structured water, uh, and really all of the things that have to do with energy medicine and lays them out in a a beautiful way. So if people want to, you know, uh, really uh, dive into something like that, they could read that book. And then he had something even more technical for the people that really want to get nerdy. uh, And that's called energy and information in nature. So I'll be uh, humble and say that uh, uh, I definitely cannot describe something like bioenergetics and the totality of of the science that's been created on it. Um, In in a podcast like that, it's it's a very dense topic. And if somebody wants to get a grasp of it, I would recommend those two books for sure.
0: Awesome. Well, let's move forward then with the assumption that there's something to this. And I'll make sure those books are in the show notes. I know that's going to interest someone. Let's talk about the practical. I mean, this is a health detective podcast. It's all about healing and finding these things. Where do you even begin then to find these, quote, like energetic blocks in people? Like, where does that begin? How does that start? What does it look like?
1: Uh, you can do it in, in many different ways. I mean, a traditional Chinese medicine practitioner would look at your eyes, look at your tongue. They would do some uh, analyses of the 27 or so different uh, pulses that can be detected. Um, <clears throat> and they relate to all sorts of different uh, energetic meridians. Um, so there's, that's the more kind of manual way of going about it. Um, it's, it's the way that practitioners have gone about it for, for many, many years of kind of trying to identify what's going on with somebody, um, by looking at them, their constitution and trying to gauge, um, what's going on and, and all of that pattern recognition. But luckily, um, through the years, they have, uh, identified a lot of these patterns, you know, in traditional Chinese medicine through those meridians, through the reflex zones and reflexology and those types of things. So, um, we kind of have a, good map. And one of the things that Peter Fraser did um, in his research was to completely map out what he believes to be a, a perfectly healthy and fully formed human body field. Um, and you would think of this in terms of like Rupert Sheldrake's morphogenetic fields. Um, and that's a term describing a field that connects all of one single species together. So there's a morphogenetic field that connects all humans together. There's a morphogenetic field that connects all, you know, monkeys together, you know, and when we teach monkeys to do something, or, or actually I'll give you the, the mouse description. So if you have mice going through a maze in Australia, you teach them how to do it faster. You take the same mice of the same species that's never seen that maze in England. But because the other mice have already been trained on it, they learn how to do it faster than the mice did previously in England because that species has already learned it. So there's some sort of quantum connection between the species. And, and really, they're trying to identify the morphogenetic field of a human. So we all display different characteristics, but there's still a form of a human. You know, we all kind of look similar, even though, you know, Shaq and his wife are uh, very, very different. Those are the, those are the extremes, for sure. Um, but there is a, a hardcore pattern that even brings those two people together. Um, and that would be that morphogenetic field. So when we look at a, a perfectly formed human body field and they've identified what at an, at an information level, at a ones and zeros level, what that would be. And we can actually use technology of the modern day to take that information, pulse it into your hand and see how your body responds to that and see if the frequencies coming off of your body are in resonance with that frequency and that information. And anywhere that the system determines that you are out of resonance with that, the system can generate a um, report for you and identify all of those areas where you have those energetic blockages. So it's taking what used to be you know, very woo-woo, very put a pendulum over the person's chakra and see if it's spinning in the uh, opposite direction than it should be, uh, and really grounding a lot of these things out for people in a scientific terms, uh, using our understanding of quantum electrodynamic fields uh, and how they relate to the body, and then kind of putting that into a technology that can uh, do it for us. So... Um, some, some of the acupra- acupuncturists say, oh, no, I'm, I'm out of a job, so to speak, when they, they hear things like that. But really, I find it's, it's just a tool that helps you. You don't have to guess as a practitioner by looking at their tongue, looking at their eyes. Um, and, you know, I, I didn't take all of this um, at face value when I first heard it. I was definitely skeptical as well. Um, when I had my first scan done it, it read me like an open book. Um, I, I, was, I was blown away. And then I actually had the privilege of being the in-house practitioner for Ness Health for two years. And I got to uh, do the very first scan for new practitioners. Uh, and I would do this, you know, multiple times a day um, and, and get to uh, give them that first experience. And these are practitioners, you know, like myself, like yourself, who, who really know their story. They know their story, like the back of their hand. They've figured out what's going on with themselves. You know, they may still have more challenges but they at least know what they are and they're working on them and things like that. Um, and, And I would say that I was consistently day in and day out blown away by the uh, clinical correlations and the accuracy um, of these types of assessments. And uh, that's what really sold it to me. And then once I started to implement that into my work, I found that everything that I was doing from an FDN perspective became more efficacious, the results came faster, and I needed to use less resources to, to achieve those results. So I feel like I was taking care of things on an energetic level that needed to take be taken care of. And instead of trying to fix them with a physical solution, I was clearing them energetically so that I could focus on what was the problem with the actual hardware and actually put the resources towards that because it's always a combination of the two. But I feel like some people are either focusing only on the energy or only on the particle or the physical. Um, wow. Wow. That
0: What a great point. You are absolutely right. These things have been separate forever. And so it is like, there are these practitioners or shamans or whatever that actually knew this, right? They've always known it, but
1: mm-hmm.
0: that's, yeah, there's like a battle between these two to some degree. And some people of course are open to both. I'm not saying that, but I think, yeah, we both know someone on either side who's like, no, nah, that's that's stupid. Or I've actually had people say, no, you don't need any of the you know, functional labs or anything like that. I'm like, okay, I I think there's probably a mix of two, even if I don't understand it. That's (laughs) really cool. And I love that you made the connection to acupuncture because now I'm kind of getting this. This is making more sense in my head. And by the way, I think I appreciate you coming on today for many reasons. But another reason is I think this is the final straw for me. I've heard enough. I'm fascinated by this topic. It's time to put in the work to dive deeper into it. I think there's been a resistance because, obviously you do have to educate yourself in a very high level way to really start understanding this stuff, especially as someone who didn't go to college. So, um, you got me on this. I think this is it for me, but I love the connection to acupuncture because that sold me on something that I didn't understand. First time I went the guy that's still friends with him to this day, his name's Paolo and he pressed straight I can't really see it in the video, but somewhere on my stomach and it hurt like heck. He's like, does that hurt? And I'm like, yeah, it's like a nine out of 10. And then sure enough, he like flicks a little needle and like, I think my uh, pinky toe is like, how about now? Gone. I'm like,
1: okay, what is this guy
0: doing?
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and and I really got even more of a you know, confirmation once I started to do a lot of the advanced uh, body work that I needed to do to unwind that sphenoid off of my brain stem So there's all sorts of advanced cranial osteopathy uh, that can be done. And you get in the hands of one of these practitioners and they're grabbing your frontal and your occiput and, and you're on the massage table and they're just massaging these areas and ever so slightly moving and you could feel your stomach gargling. You could all of a sudden you see your foot go straight instead of hanging off to the side. You're liter- and then like they literally can fix your knee problems while they're holding onto your head. Um, it's it's pretty incredible. And, and even in Peter's research, when he was trying to find if two things, whether even not a person, just if two items were in resonance with each other, um, he found that if they were more than 5% out of alignment with each other, even if they were quantumly in resonance with each other, he could not get communication between them because they were out of alignment. So imagine all those little bones that can be, uh, those little sublocations, just causing a miscommunication where they're not in the right spot. And therefore the resonances between that energy of your body are not communicating. And, you know, therefore you're going to have uh, less function uh, in those areas. This is fun stuff. There's quite a few things you said, especially with the mice
0: that like, I I got too much running through my head right now. it's just cool. So I'll leave it at that for now because I know we're going to get into a whole another two, three hour thing here. And this podcast does actually have a time limit. I will already formally invite you back on to talk again. That's, that's for damn sure. With the scans, just so I'm understanding and so everyone else is understanding, obviously it has the ability to identify, as you said, these energy blockages or whatever. Now, is this a machine or a scanner that can send something back to fix it? Because from what you just said, it doesn't sound like you're giving a supplement for it, you're doing something else for it. Like,
1: And if I'm correct, how does that work? So I'm, I'm doing both. I like to use that information to guide my FDN work. I'll actually run a scan on somebody to see Am I running the right labs? Am I on track? Are, are there energetic blockages in alignment with, you know, what their symptoms and what they're telling me and what my, you know, first initial interpretation of that is, it's just one more data point. Uh, that's actually very rich that I'm able to to, to glean from that. And and then I, help, I have that help guide all of my FDN work throughout the entire process from a physical standpoint. Um, but yes, there are ways. There's actually a, a cool little device. I have it on mental clarity, helping us for this podcast uh, at the moment. Uh, And it's a pulsed electromagnetic field device. It's a class two medical device uh, registered with the FDA. Um, And it's similar to either a TENS unit, if you use these little electrodes in, in the back. Um, or a pulsed electromagnetic field, just like your cell phones giving off a frequency that you can't see. It does the same thing, only this frequency has those corrective ones and zeros layered on top of it. Uh, And it's actually using the same exact technology that is used in AM and FM radio. So they take a signal and then they just modify it in a certain way based on the ones and zeros that they need to transmit from the station to your car radio, And then the car radio just turns those ones and zeros back into the music that you hear. Uh, and, And it's literally just ones and zeros over a frequency um and we've taken that same technology and decided to um, pulse corrective frequencies into the human body um as a way to feedback so when you are out of alignment we take that information that you were found to be out of alignment with and feed that back into uh, the human body field for sure and you would do that over time and you would do it consistently to entrain the body field just like if you had you know multiple metronomes you ever see that video of multiple metronomes all uh, no. going at a different pace but because they're sitting on top of a book that's on two soda cans the book can move which means all their vibrations are communicating with each other and if over time they all sync up perfectly okay so that's, that's that cool pace. i've not seen that as you have something that's consistently there it's the same frequency over and over again it's going to pull your human body field like a magnet into that frequency um and so that you're in alignment with that over time. So you, yeah, you could do that with a device like this, or there's even a um, more physical type of, of support, which is called the infrasuticals, which is a modern form of, it, it's actually a, a modern take on homeopathy, I like to call it. So homeopathy was the idea that water can hold information Um, And if you are fighting a toxin or a microbe or something like that, and your initial response wasn't good enough, then you know we might take that microbe or that toxin, put it into water, dilute it a thousand times over to the point where it's no longer there, then give your body that imprint of that toxin to trick it into thinking it got another exposure, hoping that that next response in tandem with the first response will be enough to get you over the hill and detox the toxin or deal with the microbe. But that's, it's a fake input, you know, you're not giving yourself any more of that toxin, but it's still a stressor, your body thinks that you got another exposure. So from a nest perspective, we're like, well, we've mapped out what the correct pathway forward is from this distorted state. So why don't we just give that information instead of poking the bear when we already figured out that the bear didn't know what to do the first time that it was poked by the toxin or the microbe? um, What's to say it's going to figure it out the next time just because it tries again? So um, that's where that corrective information really comes into play. So um, they've figured out how to use a Um, Very high-powered electromagnet uh, in tandem with some other frequencies, red light, green light, um, UV light as well, and modify all of those frequencies with the corrective information as uh, highly mineralized water passes through it. And that imprints that corrective information onto the structure of the water. Um, you're actually arranging the oxidation states of the oxygen molecule uh, inside of the water, and that's going to hold that information. And then you take it just like a homeopathic remedy, um, usually about 15 drops per day of each uh, what they call info-ceuticals. Um And uh, yeah, that would be slowly each day as you take them in training your human body field to that more energized and coherent state. This is so cool. I hope that this catches on and is a future
0: of healthcare. I mean, how, like, what? I feel I understand how many people out there, because even myself at this current level of knowledge, you know, I don't fully understand it, but I believe you when you're talking about it. And this just sounds awesome. I mean, why would we not want to have this incorporated with, like you said, just mix it in with an FDN way of thinking, mix it in with the labs, fine, but have it there. Do you think there's a reason that this hasn't been? I mean, obviously, the science is there. It sounds like the information is there. Like, why has this not caught on more? Is
1: it just that new? Is are people skeptical? What's the reasoning? I'd say a little bit of both. I mean, there there's many companies out there that are doing bioenergetic research. It's uh, very well known in Russia. The, the Skinar technology that this device was uh, partly based off of um, was created. Uh, in Russia. So sometimes there's language barriers with a lot of this stuff. A lot of bioenergetics research comes out of Germany. So there's a lot of language barriers there. Um, So yeah, I feel like between language barriers, that's a huge one. Um, And just, you know, it's there and it gets these amazing effects. And there are people using it everywhere, but sadly, we have people that are invested in having things that work, not become mainstream. So I think there is a a little bit of that at play as well.
0: (laughs) Yeah, perhaps that was an ignorant question because that could easily just be or just as easily be turned around to, why is FDN not mainstream? And I would assume the answer is at least somewhat similar for sure. Exactly. I also don't know what you're doing with that energy over there, because I swear to God, this was fascinating. I knew that you were going to say Germany, but I have no knowledge base to know that you should have said Germany. That was pretty interesting. So there must be something cool going on here. I don't know what that device does, Todd, but uh, I probably have heard that somewhere before. Now, unfortunately, you know, we got to wrap it up today. And I want to make sure we get to where people can find you. There is no way no one's going to listen to this and think, all right, I don't want to work with this person and uh, learn more about what they do. So let's be clear because I know that you've offered different things throughout the years from my understanding. So what are you currently offering? Feel free to talk about all of it and who it would be best for it.
1: Yeah. So I um, am currently working with um, one-on-one clients. I also have a variety of practitioners that have joined my team. So um, we offer um, you know, Qigong services with an, an energy medicine practitioner. We have um, Shana who is another FDN uh, who is much better at clinical nutrigenomics than I am. So uh, I brought her on to, to play that role. And uh, we have uh, a lot of different programs. I've kind of put them together so that they're goal oriented. I want people to be uh, focused around a goal. So we, you know, run a lab. We don't just start to work together and it's just kind of all up in the air. And and I, I like to have some customized uh aspects to it, but I do that within my individual programs. So, you know, somebody might come to me and three of my individual programs are right for them, but each one of those programs has a very specific goal around them that we're trying to achieve, whether that's mitigating sensitivities or identifying cognitive decline and the sources of why that's occurring. So um, we have many of those different uh, programs that people can uh, utilize as they see fit. And then I'm also doing bioenergetic retreats in 2022. So there will be a lot more information coming out about those, and they will be a lot less to do with the functional lab work and more to do with the body work and energetic work um, and uh, possibly uh, different types of things like brain mapping and things like that, depending on what location in the United States that retreat is at. So there'll be different services at the different retreats in different locations. So uh, yeah, stay tuned for more of that.
0: You guys might see me there, just so you know, So, especially on that first one. I'm trying to get on the wait list.
1: Todd, where can people find you if they're interested in any of the things that you just said? Uh, Yeah, you can find me at amentiwellness.com or amenti.wellness on any of the social medias. And that's A-M-E-N-T-I. All right, and of course, you guys already know, we'll have that in the show notes. Now, Todd, we do have
0: a signature question that we always finish out the Health Detective Podcast with, and it's a relatively simple one, but I am fascinated as to what your answer is gonna be to this. So the question is, if we could give Todd a magic wand and you could get every single person in this world to do one thing for their health, so that could be literally doing one thing or getting them to stop doing one thing, what is the one thing that you would get them to do?
1: It would have to be realized that they are 100 percent responsible for their well-being and achieving the health goals that they desire, whatever that may be. And the sooner you come to that understanding and you embody that 100 percent, the sooner you will achieve your results and, and and get that goal. This guy basically
0: lost a fraction of his youth to health issues had to figure this stuff out by himself after being misdiagnosed, not getting answers, put on all these different medications, and his number one thing that people can do for their health is take responsibility for it. Wow. I think that says a lot. I think that speaks volumes, and we can definitely all take something away from this episode. I hope that you enjoyed listening to this as much as I enjoyed interviewing Todd. And as a reminder, I said it in the beginning, but I'll remind people right now. Yes, we will be having him back on again. If nothing else, please make sure you go give this guy a follow and support his work. He's doing some incredible stuff. And I know that he's going to be doing some retreats at some point, or at least attempting to, depending on, I guess, the state of the world. I will be attending. I just decided when we were on the call together. I don't care how much it is. Take my money. Take my wallet, whatever needs to be done, I will be there. (laughs) I just want to thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of the Health Detective Podcast by FDN Thrive. As always, I'm your host, Evan Transu, aka Detective Ev, and if you would be so kind as to leave us a five-star review, how many people out there do you think could need or benefit from hearing something like this that are just never going to get the opportunity? It's admirable to hear these stories And incredible to hear these stories of people like Todd that are stuck in their bed because of chronic pain and doing the research to try to figure out their health issues as a teenager. But I don't want to hear any more stories like that. It's not cool, right? It's, again, admirable and incredible, but this shouldn't be the standard. We shouldn't have to have stories like that. People deserve the right to have access to all of the information so that they can make an informed choice. And I think anyone in this space knows the direction that a lot of companies... And a lot of, we'll just say tech giants are taking in today's world where no, the information was already not shared properly and now it's getting downright buried. So are you going to allow that or are you going to be part of the cause and mission that actually helps allow this to get to the people who need it? A simple five-star review and something as great as a share on Facebook. That would be amazing. Those things go way farther than you can ever realize. We'd greatly appreciate it. Search the Health Detective Podcast by FDN Thrive on Apple Podcasts. That's where we love stacking up our reviews. And I will even shout you out for leaving one. I mean, what more can you ask for? I'm looking forward to talking to you guys again later in the week, or I guess next week at this point. And then of course, if you're listening to this in the future, this means nothing. Nonetheless, looking forward to it. I'll talk to you guys again soon and have a great week. Thanks for tuning in to the FDN Thrive Podcast. You feel like you've been stuck in the cycle of trial and error when it comes to your health issues our team can help whether you've tried every different diet out there without lasting success spent way too much money on supplements at your local health food store or been told that your lab tests are normal despite feeling anything but normal we have your back go to fdnthrive.com and click the get started here button if you're ready to stop playing guessing games with your health that's fdnthrive.com